That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. I told you before, we love being on Capitol Hill because that way... Uh, every once in a while, we can snag a good friend of ours, a member of Congress or the Senate, on his way or her way to work in the morning. Uh, and this morning, lucky enough to be joined by Congressman Mark Takano from out in the Riverside area of California. Hello. Good morning, Mark. Bill. Good to see you, Congressman, I should say. Yeah. We've known each other a long oh, time. Mark is fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you were in the chamber I yesterday. Was. All right. And uh, it it really was almost more than any in effect, State of the Union speech that I remember. It was more divisive in the sense that were, it was really it aimed at the Republicans, it seemed to me. Uh, there were very, very few moments when both sides stood up. Yeah, there was a few moments, infrastructure. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, you know, when we uh, stood up to acknowledge his spouse uh, uh, and, yeah. uh, you know, the widow, widow of, the Navy uh, of Seal. Ryan Crowley. Right. Yeah. Uh, when you talk about veterans, but uh, you know, it was, uh, and for that reason, uh, the speech I give it uh, as a former English teacher. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. oh, man. What a time for you, huh? What a tough audience. Yikes. Yeah. All right. How do you, how I, give you it a, it? I give it a, a C for tone and content based on the student's uh, ability to. Uh, you know, show improvement, you know, improvement in style and tone. A C, a C minus. I give it a C minus. C minus. Improvement in style and tone from the inaugural speech. Huh? Exactly. The style yeah. and tone was so dark. It was very, very dark. Uh, the, uh, the inauguration speech was very dark. Uh, but I give him an F for honesty. Still the same Donald Trump dishonesty. Uh, I give him an F for content. I mean, his opening line, his opening line about uh, this is African-American History Month, oh, yeah. and we still have a long way to go. We we do, but Donald Trump in particular, you could have said the word I there and departed from the we. I have a long way to go. Donald Trump has a long way to go. Uh, in terms of civil rights, uh, you could tell his uh, attorney general, Jeff Sessions, mm -hmm. to rejoin the lawsuit uh, rejoin the six years of litigation uh, with the Justice Department and uh, the it, Voting Rights uh, Act violation uh, that it, in Texas. At, huh? In Texas, yeah, yeah. one of the strictest uh, voter ID laws in the country, designed to suppress votes, uh, especially among African Americans. Uh, so, <laughs> the dishonesty in the first opening line, masked over by the tone. Uh, and I think it's really important to just point out the fact that uh, just very dishonest and was really, I think, <laughs> sticking in our craw, I was like, oh, come on, give me a break. You are talking about how much more we have to go in civil rights. Uh, we do as a nation, but Donald Trump in particular on this issue uh, has, you know, a long, long, long way to go. 
Right. I mean, if you say, yeah, right, (laughs) that I'm committed to this, then the fact that he appointed Jeff Sessions, of all people, to be uh, attorney general, uh, it's the same as his statement last night, which really struck me. I'm basically here as a champion of clean air and clean water, uh, and he appoints Scott Pruitt to head the EPA. uh, Scott Pruitt, the EPA, uh, okay, so... That is the very opposite of draining the swamp, uh, appointing the guy like Scott Pruitt, to, who had this email exchange with all of the industry mm. folks, all of the polluters and uh, the folks that have to gain uh, by a, a weakened EPA. Uh, and uh, that moment, by the way, when he mentioned uh, drain the swamp and uh, uh, taking uh, you know, a victory lap over what he's going to do about all these uh, lobbyists, yeah. uh, there were... Audible, uh, I wouldn't say guffaws, but there were there was a lot of heavy coughing going on in the chamber at that moment because the hypocrisy, <laughs> the irony of him uh, at that moment. And what 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 irony is it? Is it uh, there's all sorts of questions about his tax returns, all sorts of questions about uh, the types of people he's appointing to his cabinet. But if I could get back to this 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 issue of uh, the civil rights uh, in yeah, the opening please. line. Uh, the speech was uh, this word salad again mm-hmm. toward the middle of tying, uh, painting all immigrants uh, as criminals, drug dealers. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then right. uh, talking about crime in the cities. There is a, there's been an uptick in crime, but it's a, after a long trend of a decrease in crime in our country. Uh, and he's stirring up the same kind of law and order code words uh, that, uh, and it's not all that subtle with Donald Trump. Uh, he's really trying to thump his chest about police. And uh, and I, you know, that was a unifying moment. People do want to support the police. Sure. But he's but... doing it in a way where he's tying immigrants, crime, drug dealers, uh, violence in the cities. Uh, nothing about, uh, he talked about Chicago. Let's talk about Chicago crime. Uh, but Never, never ties it to the kinds of lax gun laws uh, in the states and communities around Chicago. Yeah, well, um, let's talk about the immigration because, you know, it, during the day, uh, he had lunch. So at noon, he had lunch yesterday with this group of uh, which presidents, it's a tradition, with the anchors of all the news uh, TV, TV, yeah. uh, TV networks. And apparently he told them they're not allowed to talk about what they talked about, but there are leaks, obviously. That he said on immigration, he was really open not to a citizenship, but for people who've been here a long time, he didn't, wasn't specific, and haven't committed any crime other than having come here illegally. He was open to having them have some permanent residence, if you will, legal status, right? But in his speech last night, and everybody got really excited. Oh, Donald Trump is, I got all kinds of tweets, right, from people and all kinds of announcements from CNN, everybody. Donald Trump is totally turning around on immigration. In a speech last night, he he didn't say beans about that, did not mention it at all. Instead, he took this real hard line on immigration, bragging about the fact that we're throwing all these criminals out. Oh, throwing all the criminals out, which, by the way, has already been the case with President Obama. It's been a longstanding policy to focus on undocumented who are committing serious crimes. I'm not talking about traffic yeah, violations. Yeah, right. Uh, we're talking about people who are gang members, of, uh, the people who are committing violent crimes. 
That's always been a focus, and Donald Trump is making it seem as if uh, he invented it. He invented it. He's a, he's, a, he's and, yeah. He, and, he's, and meanwhile, ICE. Some of the raids that we've heard about are people who've not committed any violent crime at all. Right? Well, right, and of course, the ICE. Some of the overzealous ICE agents uh, can increase uh, their numbers very easily by going after low-hanging fruit. Um, uh, and uh, there has been a change in tone reported by a number of people about uh, just uh, some, some ICE you know, agents. I, I, you know. I, I want to uh, stop there because your colleague, uh, Luis Gallego, had a news conference yesterday. <laughs> he had some... Uh, as Gutierrez his, or... or, or, uh, or uh, Ruben Gallego. Ruben Gallego. Ruben Gallego. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Ruben Gallego, yeah. Uh, he had, um, as his guest last night, uh, a young... A person who's here, an undocumented yes. person here, uh, and he made the point that just that you did about this is what ICE is doing now in terms of, you say, low-hanging fruit. The narco traffickers, the kidnappers, the rapists, the people that we want to get rid of are going to be the ones that are going to be hiding, and ICE is going to be focusing on the the easy targets. Yeah. yeah. So the guys who are really serious criminals, right? They're going to. They're not going to be. Yeah, well, yeah. They're going to be evading any possible contact, right? And the guy's just walking down the street. Ice nabs them. Well, it's because of the new the, the new uh, guidelines and the, that, that have come forward from the very top. And uh, this makes no sense at all uh, to be going after, uh, you know, all, law, law-abiding families, uh, hardworking families, uh, and uh, you know the, the tragedies that are ensuing is you know they're going to be heartbreaking. And uh, of course, uh, Trump reinforced <laughs> that last night by having as his guest uh, the parents of victims of people who have. Okay, so that's another so another yeah. example of the hard line. Uh, so, but let's not forget that he doubled down on the wall last night. Yeah, to build the wall, but also this special unit of. Uh, uh, victims mm-hmm. of immigrant crime, and and look, the the net effect of that, uh, look, I, I I condemn crime being committed uh, by anybody, but 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 to focus uh, on immigrants and uh, the net effect was to create this impression that immigrants are responsible that this, uh, for all this crime right. in the country, that drug this dealing, wave of violent crime, wave of violence, all illegal immigrants. Well, and then, right. uh, members were shaking their head when he talked about. Uh, cartels. Uh, like, what is he talking about? Uh, the crime cartels. I mean, I, there was a part of the speech where he, he was uh, talking about that. But to me, it just was reminiscent about uh, the law and order sort of rhetoric of the Nixon administration. And we were in a moment in the late 60s, early 70s of uh, kind of a crime wave. Uh, and, and that became a, a chief Republican sort of plank in their sort of national platform. But look, crime... Crime as a topic among Americans has really, you know, I think diminished as a as a top concern. It's it's an issue, but look, the point the point out because the crime rate has gone down. It's it's gone down. It's gone down, and the the net effect though is this 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 image of immigrants that he's painting, and let's not forget that Donald Trump was also stirring up. A lot of resentment and rhetoric, and a false portrayal of what the folks uh, with uh, with Black Lives Matter, uh, mm-hmm. what they were trying to, uh, I, I think, try to bring before the public, uh, was you know a very serious issue with uh, the way policing works in our country, and it's a conversation to have. 
but it's an important conversation to have. And Donald Trump was I, also so that there again. I'll go back to his opening statement about it. We have a long, long way to go. Uh, the way he was talking about crime, the way he was, uh, the way it uh, I think spills over into minority communities and the uh, way we look at immigrants as Americans. Donald Trump did us a, uh, took I think still a huge step backwards in you his know, speech. In, in both cases, he 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 either missed an opportunity or deliberately didn't didn't do it. I should say. But for example, on immigration. He never took time to say anything about the very positive contribution that so many immigrants have made to building this country. And on law enforcement, he never took time to say, of course, there are some officers, you know, who abuse their authority and have to be weeded out because they give everybody else a bad name. There was never any well, you know, other the, side here at all reflected. You know, the, right. I always like the, the term secret sauce that's invented by uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, the secret sauce of America and its economic, uh, uh, it's just economic vitality. And a big part of that is the fact that the United States has, has been a brain magnet uh, to the greatest thinkers and brains and uh, creative people around the world. Uh, and uh, this $54 billion plus up in defense that will come at the expense of science uh, and education yeah. uh, is going to poison the secret sauce uh, that America is uh, in terms of the graduate students we attract to our, our research universities. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. The whole idea that uh, future research scientists won't have a future because uh, we're going to cut science, uh, all to uh, augment the budget uh, of that is not really being asked for by, mm -hmm. by uh, the, the, our, our defense officials. Uh, we already have the greatest military in the world. Uh, and to uh, to use this moment uh, not to rally supporting Congress for infrastructure or to continue our investments, which have already been uh, compromised in, in science, the research and development, uh, and basic scientific research uh, assets mm -hmm. of our country. Uh, and, and there again, the climate that he has created around immigrants and refugees. Let's let's remember Albert Einstein. Uh, was uh, a refugee from Europe, uh, you know, a brilliant Jewish scientist. Uh, no place for him in Nazi Germany. Uh, this yeah. is this is what uh, welcoming refugees to our shores has meant to the vitality of our country. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. I'm surprised you haven't seen smoke coming off of my computer with all okay. the hot takes out there <laughs> from people who are saying that the president Trump actually put together a presidential speech last night. Do you think that was a presidential speech? As I say, it it was the the inform inform it was more presidential uh than we've seen Donald Trump uh be. Uh but uh we should expect more from a president than just barely clearing the bar of being able to deal with form and style. Uh, we need well. We need content, and it, it was devoid of content. It was contradictory content, uh, as I pointed out in his opening, just his very opening lines about uh, we need to be a country. Uh, you know, uh, we have a longer distance to go with civil rights. But then, uh, yeah, completely no, contradicted. You think right. what he's done? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but I, I want to go to the second sentence of the speech last night, okay. where he said, "This is what this speech is all about," and basically, this is who I am, and this is my 
message. Two key, two key words there. I'm here tonight to deliver a message of unity and strength, and it is a message deeply delivered from my heart. Now, again, this comes on top of 40 days of sowing division, right? I mean, how can you just, how dumb are we to say in one night, oh, he's a completely different person? I, well, yeah, well, what is in his heart? What, yeah, exactly. What is in his heart? Uh, what is the sincere Donald Trump? Uh, the sincerity is hard to, what is he sincere about? I, I think he's most sincere when he talks about things like the wall, uh, building a wall, and uh, building a wall for what? Uh, a time when we have uh, the lowest net border crossings with Mexico, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, in decades. Uh, 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 up to $40 billion uh, uh, for what? Uh, how is that really going to make uh, you know, our country stronger? Uh, de- you know, deteriorating relations with a country, Mexico, uh, that has 85% of the GDP that Russia has. Uh, and mm. Mexico is right along our border. Uh, the, the enormous amount of trade that uh, states like uh, Texas... Yeah. Uh, California uh, re- rely on uh, the uh, the amount of uh, goods and products that the Mexicans actually buy from us. This is uh, we've had a long peaceful relationship with Mexico. We we need their cooperation. In fact, were it not for Mexican immigration authorities on the Mexican southern border uh, helping us uh, with uh, the flow of of uh, folks that want to leave the Central American countries, that's really where our challenge is. And if the Mexicans, you know, we, we play, uh, you know, not so nice with them, you know, we're gonna, he's going to worsen uh, the immigration issues. Which he's already on his way. Yeah. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Now, Stanish here from The Hill, thehill.com. Now, nice to see you again. Thanks for coming in. It was interesting, Congressman Mark Takano, who was here for the last, uh, last half hour, uh, as a former English teacher, uh, graded uh, the president on a, a C, C minus, I think he said, on tone. Um, and, but an F on content, uh, <laughs> or an F on on uh, on honesty, uh, in that there were um, there there. Let let's start with the mess, right? I mean, and he started right there at the top. Uh, here is the president lamenting how things are when he how were when he took over. I inherited a mess. It's a mess. At home and abroad, a mess. So uh, I was just checking some numbers this morning, Niles. Uh, the economy added 2.2 million jobs in the last 12 months. Um, 75 straight months, 
of positive job growth. That's the longest ever. He says it's the worst economic recovery in 65 years. 75 straight months of positive job growth is the longest streak on record. So I I think this is a lot about trying to set expectations to some degree. It's not, to be fair to Donald Trump, it's not that unusual for presidents to do this, which is to come into office and say, oh, things were much worse than I thought they were. Bill Clinton did that famously in 1992 also, I guess early 1993. But um, I I think that President Trump here is trying to make the case that things were uh, so bad that you can't expect them to be righted immediately. Now, the problem is that there is... uh, abundant statistical evidence that things were in fact not uh, so bad and uh, improving uh, fairly significantly but perhaps for his the base his his base of support his his core constituency you know I, there are people within that base who are suffering and and he's emphasizing that point no i think you're right in the sense that he feels that the only way he can justify the extreme measures he wants to take is to convince people that things were so bad right that we had to have these measures to turn things around. But if you look at, I, I, I'm not trying to be a Democrat here, I'm just trying to be an objective observer. If you look at what President Obama inherited in January 2009, and what Donald Trump inherited in January 2017, it's night and day. Oh, there, there is no comparison. I mean, President Obama was confronted with a generational crisis. I mean, there's no, there's no valid comparison there at all. I think this actually goes to the fact that one of President Trump's core skills are the, is that of a salesman. And so he's <laughs> talking about the how bad it was in order to suggest that he can uh, improve things. It's the uh, it's much the same goes, I think, for his claims or implicit claims to be responsible for job creation in various respects. Now, firstly, most of those jobs were in train before he, he came to power. But it's also making, a, you know, a by nation, nationwide standards, a very modest number of jobs seem like it's a massive achievement for which he deserves credit. Right. Uh, no, that's a good point. We haven't, uh, uh, haven't mentioned that yet today, is that so all the things he rolled out, like mm. Ford, GM, uh, the Intel plant, the Boeing Dreamliner, um, they all – that didn't happen in the last month. These things have been – like the Intel plant was – built in 2011, I believe. Mm -hmm. President Obama went there in 2012. So all these things were already happening, already in motion. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he's kind of claiming them as jobs that he created. Right, right. And, and, you know, the number of jobs that we need in this country Mm -hmm. to simply keep pace with population growth in order to keep the level steady, as it were, is is very considerable. And and the other claim was... um, the billions and billions and billions of dollars that he's already saved, he mentioned like the F-35. I mean, if, unless I've missed something, we don't really know yet what the F-35, what, I mean, he talked to the Air Force or something, whichever service is building that, and said, we got to get the cost down. And the, so they said, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. You know, we, well, we don't know how many billions were saved. We don't know what the cost used to be, what the cost will be, and whether or not, in fact, they're going to deliver at what they said. You know what I mean? So it's this claim of this vast success 
when there's really nothing there. Right, but it goes to Trump's brand, for want of a better <coughs> word, which is that he's the great negotiator who can strike yeah. fantastic deals on behalf of the taxpayer. And salesman. And salesman, just yeah. or, or, you know, I was thinking last night that that, 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 that the salesmanship or whatever or phony reminded me of... Uh, um, Elmer Gantry, Elmer Gantry, the phony preacher, right, who had promised whatever as long as you would give me money, right? <laughs> a real charlatan out there. So, um, and then on the issue of immigration, yesterday, uh, reportedly, uh, at the luncheon with the uh, network anchors, he said, you know, I'm thinking, rethinking my whole position on immigration. I think we could have some legal status for people who are here and haven't committed any crimes, and they have families, and they have jobs, and they've been here a long time. We didn't hear that last night. No. So is that for real, or was that just a, you know, a bit of indigestion at lunch or something? One of the interesting things to me about Donald Trump is that for all his um, machismo, he does have a tendency to tell people what he perceives they want yeah. to hear. Remember yeah. the time he went to the New York Times and was suddenly extolling the virtues of the New York Times as yeah. one of the great treasures of American He throws society. bombs from afar. Right. When he gets right up in somebody's face, he's not going to stab somebody, but he'll snipe them. Yeah, I, and so it, with the immigration <laughs> thing, it seemed that he felt, well, this is me, of course, interpreting what's going on in his head, but it would seem that he thought that would be a well-received comment to that audience of network TV anchors and yeah, so forth, yeah. and then said it, but there was no evidence of it at all. He did talk, interestingly to me, about legal immigration in the speech last night and sort of somewhat vaguely implied a, a replacing the current system with a more merit-based system. But there was nothing amounting to the thing that he had alluded to at the at the lunch that you were talking about. This has got to drive Republicans crazy because, you know, they, they follow him. He's the leader of the party. And, like, there's so many twists and turns that we take on the way to, like, the final point for him, that they've got to be going nuts. How do they deal with this? I, I think that was something and still is something that Republicans are very nervous about on uh, Capitol Hill because <clears throat> Trump is such an unorthodox figure that he can change things on a dime. You know, he talked about the Affordable Care Act last night, obviously. He laid out uh, principles for that, but most experts in the field would say that there's no there's no way you can achieve all the good things that he wanted to achieve. You know, he was talking about the fact that the mandate's the wrong solution, but Medicaid should remain in its expanded state. People should still have coverage for pre-existing conditions, uh, things of that nature. Um, most experts in healthcare would say that you just can't you can't do that. You can't remove the main source of revenue and keep the expenditures the same. It seems to me that we are sort of floating in this never-never land right now and pretending that everything Donald Trump wants, he's going to get out of Congress because it's controlled by Republicans. Do you buy that? I don't know. I, I think that there is a willingness on the part of Republicans to do things for a Republican president that they wouldn't do for a Democratic president, even if the policy or the expenditure was essentially the same. But I do think they will uh, balk at some issues, even something like the famous or infamous border wall. That's projected, as I understand it, to cost around $21 billion. Mm -hmm. uh, 
it seems to me that that is something that uh, even uh, a significant number of Republicans could blanch at. Uh, yeah, and let's take another one. Um, $54 billion for defense spending, and we're going to get rid of these defense sequester, not the sequester on domestic programs. Now, Donald Trump can say that, but he can't no. you know, just click his fingers and it's going to happen. Congress is going to have to lift the sequester. Absolutely. Which, which would re- And put, pour all that money into the Pentagon and take yeah. all that money away from the State Department, from foreign aid. Even Mitch McConnell yesterday said, no, 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 I would not be for cutting foreign aid. Right, right. I, I mean, I think it's interesting that we are seeing Republicans beyond the, the standard usual suspects of Senators McCain and, and Graham yeah. talking in a negative sense about that proposal on, on foreign aid. The the issue about the sequester, uh, now uh, the White House rather than the Senate is my area of expertise, but I believe it does require 60 votes to lift the, the mm-hmm. sequester, which would mean that he would need to hold all Republicans and get a significant number of Democrats on board with that idea, which would be boosting military spending and hacking down non-military spending. Right. By a very so that's one way. area where um, they're really not together. You mentioned the Affordable Care Act. I mean, Donald Trump has said over and over again, I'm only going to agree to an, a program if you have a replacement, not just repeal, right? right. So that whole thing is sort of, sort of delayed, if not sidelined, right? Um Social Security. Uh, Sean Spicer, you and I were there at the briefing the other day when Sean Spicer said, no, the president's going to live up to his prom, keep his promise on Social Security, which meant, which he said, no cuts to, to benefits for people who are there now or people who are about to, to join into Social Security. So that's, at, at some point, I guess what I'm saying is, there's got to break out into the open some real conflict between the White House and particularly Republicans in the House and Senate. Yeah, and I think you're already seeing that beginning to bubble up. To your point about Social Security, uh, Speaker Ryan, of course, doesn't believe in, in that. He doesn't believe no. that, that should remain untouched. And so he no, was he, he was asked within the past yeah. couple of days about he, entitlement spending, and he's now trying to characterize the Affordable Care Act as an entitlement and then say, so to, in order to say, if you reform that, you have reformed entitlements. That is, um, with all due respect to the Speaker, a kind of semantic game he's playing to try to square his ideas with those of President Trump when those ideas are actually quite yeah, different. Yeah, he keeps insisting there's no, uh, there's no difference, no, no daylight between them, right? Well, right. there obviously is. Exactly. Those issues. And we are joined now by our good friend, Dr. Julianne Malveaux, economist, author, commentator, and host of the It's Personal podcast. Oh, yeah. man. How do you wear all those hats at one time? Uh, big head. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you, we've been uh, talking, of course, about the speech last night. You must have been very, very pleased when the president started out by recognizing it was the last day of the month of... As we mark the conclusion of our celebration of Black History Month, we are reminded of our nation's path towards civil rights and the work that still remains to be done. 
Not Par- bad for somebody who thought Frederick Douglass was still alive yeah. and well. You heard about this guy, Frederick Douglass? <laughs> yeah, he's doing great things, and he's going to do even more great yeah. things from the grave, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or not bad for a man who uh, not so long ago was attacking John Lewis, right? It, this person is fascinating, is all I have to say. But I, I promise <laughs> you, Bill, I couldn't watch the whole thing. I was about 15 minutes. I had to go downstairs and make me a cup of tea. And then for some reason, I just stayed downstairs. <laughs> when I, I got back upstairs and sort of... Well, you were still... probably tired or worn out because earlier in the day, of course, uh, you were uh, watching Jeff Sessions' speech uh, talk about the way to mark uh, Black History Month. Well, I actually was more riveted with the um, whole debacle of the 80 of my former colleagues, HBCU presidents. Uh, Tim Scott did a fly-in. So 80 people flew in and had a big photo op on um, Monday they night. They all crammed into the Oval Office. You saw that now. I, now. I did. I was also even more struck, I think, by uh, Betsy DeVos making the remark that she made where she suggested that HBCUs were pioneers of school choice, which is an extraordinary uh, statement to make, given that the whole point of HBCUs Let's was not even go there. There was no choice. Right, that that, woman, that's the whole that, thing. Yeah, a school choice <laughs> in the sense that there was no choice. Right. That, that when people actually made choices, such as Charlene Hunter-Galt at the uh, University of Georgia, that they were harassed. Uh, that at University of Alabama, Vivian Malone, the governor stood symbolically in the door that James Meredith had to be escorted at the University of Mississippi by the National Guard. This woman is what you call one note Sally. I call her Betsy Devoid, as in devoid of good sense. Um, Because school choice is number one on, I mean, she could look at an ant bill and she would see school choice. (laughs) If the ant went into the school that honey was, she would say, oh, the ant had school choice. So she's, she's one note Sally. But it's so insulting of course, you know, they couldn't spell W.B. Du Bois's name at, uh, you know, Department of Education. So, but, but this woman really has no business. I mean, when do you recognize your own Peter Principal and say, guys, I can't do this. I'm up out of here. But she's not going to do that. And this is just really, it was well, sickening. To back, back to the visit of the HBCUs. So they came to see President Trump. Uh, and apparently, right, the White House delivered. They've... Uh, Elevated them to giving them White House status. But with what resources? See, I, I did not feel as strongly as others did about bringing the office back into the White House. Uh, I mean, symbolic- Where was it, by the way? Department of Education. Okay. I mean, symbolically, it, and they basically reported to the, um, I guess, the undersecretary who did uh, higher ed, um, or at least they did in the last administration. Um, it doesn't matter where they are. It matters what kind of resources they have. There were two uh, heads of the HBCU initiative, and, and it really depends, which no announcement was made yesterday, on who the executive director of the White House initiative is. Under um, Jimmy Carter, there was a woman named Catherine LeBlanc who was like a pit bull. So she went to every single government agency and extracted concessions from them around partnerships with HBCUs. You know, we have billions of dollars of contracts with Harvard and Yale and Princeton and Yah, and she had those universities partner with HBCU. So if you got Harvard $100 million to do scientific research, you had to then go to Hampton or Fisk or somewhere and say, we're going to partner with you. Uh, I, I just want to put it out for all of our audience. I, I don't know what you mentioned earlier, but you were the president of yes. an HBCU. I was president right. of Bennett College for Bennett Women College from for... 2007 to 2012. Right. So uh, all I'm saying is, you know what you're talking about. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and have been through the battles and through the struggles. And unfortunately, don't quite have the, um, as you, you well know, the demeanor of, a, of an HBCU president. I'm a little too blunt uh, or something like that. I remember once my board chair called and said, Pumpkin, did you call Mitt Romney an idiot? And I said, I might have. <laughs> I, I, I cannot tell a lie. I might have. Well, you know, I did. That did not go over too well. Uh, there were Republicans and Democrats on the but, board. Well, but, now, you would, I can understand that um, just the fact that you elevate this office and bring it into the White House doesn't mean you're going to get a lot more done or have a lot more attention or have, you say, a lot more resources or a lot more clout. I mean, right? Things can easily get lost in yeah. terms of priorities in the big White House when you're dealing with all that other stuff. Oh, oh ab- absolutely. And and while, you know, not, not wishing to uh, impede on, on Julianne's territory, but, I mean, one of the whole points about civil rights or progressive um, efforts is that it's all very well to make symbolic change of saying, well, we're shifting this to this place where it's more important. But how much resources are you going to put into something? I mean, that's what really speaks to a sense of priorities or not. That's the bottom line. Right now, the uh, White House initiative on HBCUs has a tiny office. I think it's three people, the uh, director, the assistant director, and a clerical person. And I may be wrong. There may be another person in there, but there aren't very many more. The resources are very, very tight. Um, So, I mean, in the... Kitty LeBlanc days, I mean, if you're going to go to all the cabinet secretaries and try to work out these agreements, that takes a lot of time. That's time intensive. And meanwhile, you have other stuff to do. They should be visiting the colleges. There's a uh, we were able to take advantage of a program at Bennett where they have a a capital uh, loan program. And um, you can't get the capital loan until the head of the initiative comes to your college and checks it out. So there's so many things that could be done. But, you know, it's, it's a resource issue. So, you know, I think people were disappointed. Uh, Dave Wilson of uh, uh, Morgan State University, uh, who's, he's, been, he's fantastic, he said, you know, the proof is in the pudding and I don't taste anything. I mean, that mm. was his quote uh, to the Post today. Um, and many others are disappointed that they, you know, if people are stuck between a rock and a hard place, you got to come in because if you don't come in, you're absent. And as Miss Omarosa said, they keep, they keep lists. And I believe they do. Um, but she was supposed to be the one who was pushing for this to happen before the end of Black History Month. And you see, they waited to the very last minute. Um, she was the one who's pushing it, but there's no meeting there. I mean, it's lovely symbolically, but there's no meeting there. The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Well, taking a look at Donald Trump's big speech to a joint session of Congress last night, what can you say? All right, it was the most coherent speech uh, that he's ever given, that's for sure. For the most part, it was the most positive speech that he's ever given, at least in the tone. But you know what? It was also one of the most unbelievable speeches that he's ever given. When you think about it, I mean, he contradicted everything last, everything he said last night contradicted what he has done so far as president. In effect, I think the entire speech was one great big lie. I mean, think about it. He started out by saying, this is a time for unity. Is he kidding? He has done nothing but sow division 
ever since he's became a candidate for president. And even yesterday morning, he called Nancy Pelosi incompetent. That's hardly a reach for unity. Uh, he said that he's the champion. He said this in the speech of clean air and clean water. What? This is the guy that appointed Scott Pruitt to head the EPA. And again, yesterday morning, the very day of his speech, he signed an executive order which gutted an executive order by President Obama to give the Environmental Protection Agency authority over cleaning up the, uh, the nation's streams and rivers. He did it yesterday against the environment, bragged last night about being for clean water. Immigration reform. He said, we're only going to deport people who have committed, here illegally have committed serious crimes. And yet, he's issued new regulations that has ICE out there breaking down families, rounding up people, and deporting them for committing no crime other than having come here illegally in the first place. He said he inherited a mess. Who's he kidding? I mean, he... We've had 75 consecutive months of positive job growth, 2.2 million jobs created in the last year, new jobs, and he says he inherited a mess. Uh, and finally, Donald Trump said last night, it's time to move on and get beyond trivial fights. Again, who's he kidding? He's the guy who specializes in trivial fights against CNN, against John Lewis, against Arnold Schwarzenegger's ratings, against the Pope trivializes more uh, more trivial fights than anybody else. So <clears throat> I think we learned two things from Donald Trump's speech last night. Number one, he doesn't live in the real world. He lives in, in an alternative universe. And number two, you can't believe one word Donald Trump said. This is The Bill Press Show.